Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek, seek out, and to save the lost. Mickey and I moved to Kansas City in August of 1968 that I might uh, begin my seminary training at St. Paul School of Theology uh, located there in Kansas City. Being Southerners all our lives, we were exposed to Yankee weather for the first time. We, We thought in our Southern naivete we thought that we were prepared for that uh, Midwestern winter. But by Thanksgiving, we realized we were hopelessly unprepared, both when it came to appropriate clothing and to the mindset it takes, John and Kathy, to endure uh, that kind of weather to, whom, to which we were simply not accustomed. But we found up there that there was one thing in common with what we'd experienced in our home state of Louisiana, and that is that the Kansas City weather forecasters were sometimes as off the mark in their forecasting as they uh, were and uh, perhaps still are down here in the Deep South. For instance, one Saturday evening, I was watching the news and the weather forecast, and they said that uh, the weather, weather on Sunday would be, and I quote, partly cloudy and warmer, with a high in the 40s and less than 5% chance of any kind of precipitation. Guess what? You see it coming, don't you? The next morning, When I looked out the window, the ground was covered with freshly fallen snow. At dawn, it was three to four inches deep, and by late Sunday afternoon, it came up to my knees. And I know that because my best friend in seminary, Jack Gregory, was was sick and called me and asked me would I bring him a, a can of soup. And I waited to the next building through that snow and uh, brought Jack his can of soup. It seems that a low-pressure area had uh, developed unexpectedly in central Kansas overnight. And it caused a storm system that tied up Kansas City and the surrounding area with snow and freezing rain for the better part of a week. That Sunday evening, I was again watching the news, and as that uh, telecast began, they played a taped, you know, replay of the weather forecast from the night before, kind of poking fun at, uh, at themselves, as it were. And then they reported that right before they came on air, that some irate viewer had called the station And he said something to the effect of, I just want you clowns to know that I just finished shoveling 14 inches of partly cloudy and warmer 
off my sidewalk. Then as now, there as here, weather is sometimes quite unpredictable. And it seems that no matter how modern the radar or how sophisticated the computer models or developed and advanced our technologies uh, happen to be, old mother nature still has a few tricks up her sleeve, doesn't she? Resulting in several not so pleasant surprises during the course of each season. And I think our brothers and sisters in, in Texas uh, and in Louisiana and in Mississippi uh, have found that out in the past week or 10 days. Reflecting on this, I've had the thought that God is often much the same way as the weather tends to be. Because I think God is always doing uh, things that we can't always seem to foresee or to expect. Take, for example, this story that Gwen just read for us of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Jesus, as we were told, was traveling from the Galilee to Jerusalem to face everything that awaited him there. That road, then as now, leads through Jericho. As word spread that Jesus was outside of town, there was quite a commotion. A great crowd gathered. Everybody, including Zacchaeus, wanted to see him. But as we're told, Zacchaeus was a little guy, rather short of stature. And with the crowds on the, already on the roadway, Zacchaeus was having trouble seeing uh, where Jesus was to come by. So he had the bright idea. He went around the crowd. He went, went down the road, and he climbed up in a tree so he could have a better look at Jesus and his entourage. Well, as Jesus passed that tree, a sycamore tree, uh, some versions say, um, there's only one left in Jericho today, by the way, uh, and it's not like our sycamore trees at all. But Jesus looked up in that tree and he saw Zacchaeus uh, up on a limb up there. And he told him to unclimb that tree, as some folk in South Louisiana are prone to say with their mixture of French uh, and English. Because he was going to his uh, house to have lunch. Talk about a shocker to Zacchaeus and apparently everybody around him. In New Testament times, tax collectors were even more unappreciated, should we say, than the IRS is today. They were considered to be Roman puppets. They were turncoats and traitors. And this made Zacchaeus just about the most hated guy in all of Jericho. And yet Jesus singled him out out of everybody in that crowd. He reached out to him in love 
and he showed him great compassion. The Bible doesn't record it, but I can't help but thinking that in all likelihood, this was probably the first time in Zacchaeus' adult life that somebody had given him positive, positive attention. It was probably the first time that anybody had given him any kind of affirmation. Somebody seemed to care. And needless to say, he was overjoyed. In fact, that's probably an understatement. And it wound up being a turning point in the little guy's life. In inviting Zacchaeus to come down out of that tree, Jesus pulled him out of the gutter into which he had fallen. Jesus gave him, as Jesus is prone to do, gave him new life. And that's what the scripture means when it says, today salvation has come to this house. I believe that this story of Zacchaeus is really the gospel in a nutshell. It shows God's love of and searched for, search for those who were lost. But the religious, the righteous folk of the day in Jericho, they didn't like it one bit. Not in the slightest. Instead of rejoicing that this lost sheep had been found, they were furious. Who does this Jesus character think he is? Why, the very idea associating with this, with this, this, this sinner? But you know what? That wasn't the only time that Jesus reached out to those whom others considered reprehensible. Think for a minute about those guys he called to be his disciples. Fishermen. Think of the shrimpers on the coast. Fishermen. Ta another tax collector, Matthew. A radical militant, what we would call today a terrorist. And others about as far away from the religious establishment as one could possibly get. Or... How about that Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well outside of Sakar? She had been married five times and was then living with a man who wasn't her husband. That Jesus even talked to such a woman was bad enough, but to invite her into the kingdom? What must he have been thinking? The truth of the matter is, Jesus spent his entire life in a ministry of healing. Physical, mental, emotional, as well as spiritual. And it was part of that ministry to, for him to, to lay his hands on some poor soul in need. And he was even known to touch 
people who had the dread disease leprosy, who by law were required to keep a certain distance away from clean folk. And all of this was in total violation of what the righteous people in his day expected. It was what they considered inappropriate behavior. Yet, such a ministry was part and parcel of Jesus' calling. He was born, he lived, he died to give us a glimpse of what God is like and to remind us that God's greatest work is done among sinners. I want to say that again. I want us all to remember that. God's greatest work is done among sinners. I uh, confess that I have used variants of this sermon in you know, various locations that I have found myself, either by appointment or otherwise, throughout much of my career. And on one occasion, I preached this sermon or something like it, and one of the guys in the church left that service in a huff. He greeted me at the door. He looked at me in the eye, you know, and he says, my God is not, or, yeah, is not unpredictable. <laughs> You know where I'm going with this. I didn't think about it at the time, and I really regret that, but I wish to goodness I had, had sense enough to tell him, Dick, if that's the case, your God is too small. The Bible reveals to us in no uncertain terms a God who loves sinners as well as those we might call righteous and churchgoers. It shows a loving father who reaches out to those who are estranged from him, from others, from themselves. In other words, the God whom Jesus came to show is a God who is often as unpredictable as the weather. Weather forecasting meteorology is, is based on recorded patterns of the past. What has happened under similar circumstances in similar years guides the predictions and prognostications uh, that these weather folks make for what, can we, what we can expect in the next day, two, three, whatever down the line. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes not so much, because as we've said, the weather is sometimes quite unpredictable. We take our clues from what God might do, what we might expect in our own lifetime, by what God has done in the past, as recorded for us in the sacred scriptures, 
and in the story of the church told by church history down through the years. And we take our clues by, uh, you know, from, from these things, but we can never, ever get to the point where we think we've got God all figured out. Because just like when it comes to the weather, we're just never quite sure what our Father will do this time with these people. As God among us, Jesus came to love those whom folk around them considered to be unlovable. He came to invite and to welcome into the kingdom uh, those near to whom the righteous folk of his day and ours just don't want to be. And you know, my friends, I find a great deal, a great deal of comfort here. If God, through Christ, can do these sorts of things to a fellow like Zacchaeus, then maybe he can find a way to love me. Maybe he can find a way to reach out and to care for you, just like he did for that little tax collector up a tree down in Jericho. Amen.